my husband, he was in the Canadian military. He just recently released after 32 years. And he actually went to, yeah, he went to Africa and he was in Mali and he was deployed there for six months. Around the time that he was deployed there, apparently the UN um, actually started pulling their people out of certain areas of Mali because there was vampire scares. They were saying that the local people were setting up, sending out these vi vigilante groups with their pitchforks to go kill who they thought were vampires. So the UN had to pull their people out to protect them from these vampire hunters. You are listening to Geekdom Empowers, the podcast about people empowered through their geekiness. Welcome back. My name is Guy Hassan and this is Geekdom Empowers. This is a very special episode of Geekdom Empowers, as you've noticed in the way we began with the UN and vampires. So... Geekdom in Pals, among other things, follows the personal paths of people who are often not highlighted, but who make up a big part of the geek world. We follow geeks who follow through the geekiness all the way, and we see them empowered. This is what Geekdom in Pals is about, and today is a perfect example of that. Today's guest is Brenda Gask. She is the creator, the researcher, and the voice behind the podcast, horrifying history. She tackles real-life tales of ghosts, vampires, killer clowns, haunted ships, and so much more, and then she researches to see if there is another explanation behind it. Or not. Horrifying History is a fascinating podcast because it tells you the actual history of things you've heard about only in lore. So, let's listen to this interview with Brenda Gask, I promise you'll enjoy it. So nice to meet you. Yes, Not nice me to meet you. I see the face behind the voice. <laughs> yes, um, I don't know if that's a good thing. <laughs> Why would it be a bad thing? So uh, we are here to follow paths of people who like something, really like something, which I call geeks, and then just go on it, you know, and find their own path in that thing. So can you tell us your origin story? How did you get here? <laughs> oh, my. Um, it's actually kind of funny that you mentioned that. And I, I always have to laugh a little bit when people say, how did you get started? It actually, three years ago, I didn't even listen to podcasts at all. Okay. Uh, and it, I don't know why. It just wasn't my thing. And then one of my good friends, she and her brother started a podcast. So I had to be a good friend and support her, right? So I started listening to her show and then she asked me to be a guest. But, but even before that, that is what kind of got me hooked on podcasts. I really enjoy the fact that no matter what, it's, it's I guess I, the best comparison for me would be terrestrial radio, like normal land-based radio, comparing it to satellite radio. When there was just regular terrestrial radio, there's a lot of limitations to that. So it's very controlled on what you hear. But then when they came out with satellite radio, that whole world changed because then there's not as much legislation in place to necessarily 
control what you're saying. So you actually can find a lot more different stuff out there than you can actually on terrestrial radio. How I see podcasts is a further evolution of that. It actually is allowing normal people like me to grab a microphone and say what I want to say out there in the world. So that's what I really enjoyed. But the one thing that kind of irked me slightly is I couldn't find exactly what I wanted to hear. Like not exactly. So that changed for me when my girlfriend, I was on her show. And after we got off recording, her brother, who's a co-host said to me, you've got a good voice and he's a voice actor. So I'll take that as a compliment. And he said, but the cool thing about the stories you tell is they're real. It's true. That's what makes them scarier because it actually is true. And that's where I realized what I was looking for in a podcast. Because when you look at a horror genre, What you usually find is people talking about horror movies or books and giving reviews, or they're telling ghost stories of people's experiences, or they're telling a lot of the things that like, you know, that are cryptids, for example, or UFOs, but they're telling again, more of a story that a person told one-on-one. What you don't find out there is something like a true crime genre. Now, true crime has the same exact format, in my opinion. It is and of course, because it works, you have a crime that occurs, then you have either you catch the, the, the person who was the criminal, or it's a call for help to help find that person. So I'm like, why don't we just combine those two and investigate the history, combine it with the supernatural piece? For example, I've always been interested, for example, if I hear a ghost story from somebody tells me, I want to find out if it could be true. For example, What does the history tell us about that property? Did anybody die there? Um, Where where did that land come from? Where did the story even start to see if it's even possible? So that's what we do at Horrifying History. So I had to make it myself, basically, to hear what I wanted to hear. But I started creating that exact thing is if we have a tale, let's tell the tale. Let's go and look at all the history, what the facts show us, what the lore even tells us. And my listeners get to decide what they believe is the truth. Sure. Well, that's one of the things I really like about your show is that you don't say, ooh, there's those actually ghosts there. You say, this is the story and this is what we know. And then in the end, you ask a question, but you do go, uh, you do present all of the uh, other options aside from saying, you know, this is really true. But that's also sometimes a negative. (laughs) I I do have people reaching out to me and they have their belief and I respect everyone's beliefs. I really do. Uh, That's your guys' opinion. I don't tell you what to think. But if I, I've had many a times people reaching out to me mad that I didn't say what they think is the truth to be the truth. If you know what I'm saying? And my answer, and my answer is the same to them. It's not my job to tell you what to think. It's your job to figure that out yourself. Yeah, that's I, I was sure because most most shows about the supernatural, about actual supernatural stories, never put any doubt in it or try to find explanations. And you know, so that means that the people who listen to it don't like listening to uh, to that kind of thing. But I, I want to go even further back. When did this? Uh, uh, um, when did you start liking stuff like that? Um. I'm not, I don't think that I was necessarily the normal child in the sense that, you know, everybody goes around the campfire and tells ghost stories. I was never that kid. I would hear it. I would hear these stories, but I'm talking as far back as I remembered, I always questioned it. Um, Like, for example, this sounds horrible the way I'm going to say it. 
I, I, everybody experiences everything different and it's all based on their education and their experience and their life, life experience with their family and their friends. So there's bias there, right? So when somebody's like, oh, I seen a ghost. Okay. So you've seen a ghost. Tell me about that and why you think it's a ghost. And so I can honestly say that was my belief system for very young. And I was always very interested, not necessarily in like reading a vampire story and believing the vampire was real, but I was more interested in the lore behind it. How did people come to believe in the, uh, something that they'd never necessarily seen? And that's where my curiosity was. So some of my earliest memories actually um, was going to the library. And actually the first time I was actually allowed to go to the adult library, I was taking out National Geographic. I was uh, taking out encyclopedias. And one of the first books I took out was this encyclopedia of myths and legends for Greek, or Greek and Roman. So I actually at the, I'm talking grade one, was sitting there with a big piece of paper and drawing out a family tree so mm -hmm. I could actually understand. And then quickly I put it together, I'm talking grade one, that Roman mythology and Greek mythology are is exactly the same, it's just different names. So I, I can honestly say at a very early age, I was curious on fables and stories like that, because where did it come from? How did it start? For example, looking into it, I remember in grade four, starting to research the vampire myth to discover that a lot of the outbreaks of vampirism, for example, has been um, around times that they've had rabies outbreaks. And so that's where I was from very early age, very curious, because again, people back then didn't have the science and the technology that we have today. And that, and, and, you know, forever people have been afraid of what's hiding in the dark. So I was very curious on how these fables developed from day one and each culture, how they came up with these, that a lot of the stories seem to align per cultures, for example, using the whole Bigfoot theory. For example, there's Bigfoot and there's Sasquatch and then there's a Yeti. Three different locations in the world, same story. Mm -hmm. How did that come about? So that's my thoughts of what I was, again, very young. And that's how I, I kind of always been. I've been very curious. <laughs> I think one of the, the, again, that is one of the special things I think about your podcast. Uh, there was the episode about um, well, it was actually about, but in the Civil War, uh, there was there were so many deaths that people mm -hmm. started, you know, something changed in the in the national psyche, and people mm -hmm. there the started to be a lot of ghost stories because I guess people couldn't deal with um, had to find a way to deal with death. Correct, and so and much. in this. Well, in this in the Civil War, your example that you're giving, it is the perfect example because in war. A lot of times those who go to war don't necessarily come home. And especially in the United States Civil War, that was the biggest death count they ever had in a war was in the United States Civil War. But for example, all over the world, there's places that have tombs of the our tomb of the unknown soldier, for example. And so what do you do when you have a child, you have your parent or a relative that you love who doesn't come home? Well, you don't want them to be gone. And so that's why a lot of these this lore starts. And with that said, I, I do believe in Einstein's theory. Um, now, Einstein, actually, Albert Einstein, he actually did believe in spirits. And it's actually a very basic scientific reason he did. And he said that energy 
doesn't dissipate. It changes form. So theoretically, the body is electrical, you know, your heart, your body is run off electricity. That's why when you go into cardiac arrest, you've got to put the paddles on to start that up again. So why wouldn't that, that energy from the body doesn't dissipate? He says, so theoretically, it changes form. What that form is, we don't know. Could it be an echo? Could it be a spirit? It's possible. We just don't have the science to prove it yet. And that's where I kind of sit on that fence uh, because, I, again, I come from the medical field. I, I've, I've seen this a million times. And well, if, if you, you talk to people, medical field? well, um, I actually um, was I was a medical assistant for years mm-hmm. um, and um, I worked in a lot of different hospitals and I've seen a lot of very strange stuff. And if you talk to anybody in the medical field, they are the biggest believers of an afterlife all of them. And the reason is, is because they see it. They see what they see. And um, again, Einstein has a great point. Energy does, they've proven energy doesn't, it it just changes form. So theoretically, if a body is electrical, it just doesn't snuff out. Just don't have the science there yet to go and prove it. It it sounds to me like, um, you know, there are different types of, of people, of course. And some people really look for the supernatural. You know, they look, mm-hmm. there has to be something else other than what I know. Uh, I don't want to believe those people who tell me what's true. Uh, mm-hmm. It sounds to me like you're the opposite. You're saying, give me a really good reason to, I, I don't start off believing in the supernatural, but I want to. Give me a really good reason for, to find something that can't be explained. I, I agree with that to a certain extent. Um, I don't consider myself that arrogant. For example, and I always say this with UFOs, um, I don't consider myself that arrogant that I don't, I think I'm the only one here, right? Um, they have proven that in our solar system, for example, that 37 other planets can actually have the same conditions to contain life. So there has to be a reason why all this lore started. Uh, for example, you going back to the vampire myth, there has to be a reason. And then when you do deep dives into it, you find out there was very legitimate reasons. For example, imagine way back that when you got rabies, well, you'd be frothing at the mouth, your gums shrink. Um, you want to bite a person makes sense that if a person doesn't understand that it's rabies and it was infection, that they would just go to a myth that makes the, that they understand, right? Oh, it's gotta be a vampire right? Also, there's the aversion to um, very powerful smells. Well, that that comes from the garlic, right? Mm-hmm. A person who has rabies or an animal, they have a strong aversion to a very strong uh, smell, but also to sunlight. Makes a lot of sense when you break it down. Yeah. Um, I, I could actually, I have so many things to talk to you, to tell actually the listeners about the things in your podcast. But I really want to concentrate on the process because I want to see how you are empowered by doing it. So you started off doing something that's unique to you and that's your own voice. Mm-hmm. And then you start, how did you find an audience start having started to do that? For example, like let's go. Well, what originally when um, my girlfriend's brother mentioned, you know, you have a great voice and your stories are telling us true. And he started joking, you should start a podcast. I'm like, no. No, no, no. And the reason behind that is because I was literally in in the middle of a move from Western Canada to Eastern Canada. 
I didn't have time. This is going to be a lot of work. What the heck am I thinking? But the problem is, as I'm driving across Canada, all I'm doing in my head is the little wheels are turning and I'm actually planning out the whole podcast. What would I do? What did I want it to look like? What do I want even for logos? All of this was going in my head. By the time I got to my current location, I'm like, well, okay, let's just map this out a little bit and see if it's even possible. Do I want to take this on? And um, again, I worked in healthcare for years. I was frontline and then I went offline, like off frontline. And I started working as a healthcare analyst. And as I was an analyst, as you see, you research and I'm good at it. So I, I just started researching this to see if it's something I want to dip my feet into. So I decided I'm going to start with four episodes and do something that sounds fun. Why not? And I basically had no equipment, just wrote a script. Well, let's try it and see what happens. And um, I just basically put it out on my social media and my own personal social media. And everybody quite liked it. And they started sharing. So I'm like, okay, um, let's continue on from there. So really how I gained my audience was more organic than anything. It had everything to do with just more of social media presence, putting myself out there and this is what we're doing and this is what we're enjoying and, and getting engagement, but it just blew up. And I never in a million years ever expected anyone but my mother to listen. And that's because she has to, because she's my mom. I never, I never expected that because we're coming up to our two-year anniversary. I'd never expected to have people all over the world listening to my voice talking about ghost stories. It's the last thing that you ever expect. So when it comes to now, my process in the beginning was completely different because I'm being very clear. I had no clue what the heck I was doing. None. <laughs> so uh, my process now is a lot different, I think, than everybody else. Where I usually start is, and where I started actually, I just started writing out ideas. Mm -hmm. uh, like what I thought that I wanted to research a bit more or look into, or what I thought would be just a cool story. So I started writing down these ideas and then I started just looking at the ideas and tailoring it a little bit. And it, that, that's what turned into season one. And then it turned into two. And I have a running list and it's, it's crazy. Like sometimes I'll be up at a three in the morning. I always have my iPad sitting beside my bed at night. I'll wake up at three in the morning. I'm like, Hey, let's talk about Wendy goes. That sounds like a good idea. And I'll pull up my iPad and I'll type it onto the list for to come up. And but I find now that we're getting a lot of show ideas, great show ideas from our listeners too. They love to send those in. And that's how you hear about a lot of the stuff that you wouldn't necessarily hear about, like that, something that's more localized or specific to a culture. And I, I absolutely love getting that because I love looking, doing a deep dive into things that not only are very specific, but if you can link it into something else. So, so how long does it take to research one episode? Like if a listener sends you something that you don't already know, like, so you have to start from zero. Um, that's hard to say. because it's really different per, for each one. For example, um, I did a bonus episode on the Mothman, um, uh, that mm -hmm. is a supposed cryptid out of the United States. And that one took me a lot longer because there just isn't a lot there. But that's actually something that I think is very important. And it's a big hint to people. There's not a lot there, <laughs> right? So that's kind of telling in itself. Um, so that's one that, I, again, I took a lot more. But then there's other episodes. I did another bonus episode called The Black Donnellys. And it's about a family being murdered here in Canada in the 1800s and how that went down. It's such a very, that's a situation. It's actually a very strong piece of Canadiana and history that 
a lot of people already know it and you know the story about it. So that one was a much, much shorter of a research. But again, it really depends on the topic. And it really depends on what I pull together. And so many times, I swear this is true, I start writing out an episode and it takes a completely different turn than what I ever expected to. I'm, I kind of almost do it on the fly. Um, horrifying side of Haiti was one of those. I was actually planning and talking about more lore based from the voodoo world, but that's not what happened at all. Um, I then started looking into when I started finding pieces of, of, of research that was talking about how, um, voodoo was used against the population as a way to keep them suppressed. And that's what that episode turned into is actually how the rumors of voodoo is evil um, came about was purposely because of the suppression of the people. So again, was going one way, totally took another way. It's interesting. So, and, and slowly as you develop, uh, you learn the technical sides of doing everything. And I, I could hear through the episodes, you got into um, sponsorships. Mm -hmm. But, you know, people want to advertise with you. So how mm -hmm. did you start doing that? Um, well, I started researching that a couple months in. And basically how I work is I kind of focus on one piece and then clean it up. And then I actually do research based on, I, I kind of test my audience a little bit too. Like, for example, the first four episodes I did, I released them all at once, which is what the recommendations are. Mm -hmm. And I started playing with time first. What I started looking at my, my analytics that I was getting through my podcast provider, I wanted to guarantee that a person listened to the entire episode and didn't skip over it. So I played with my time. I went a little shorter, went longer, and then I actually settled at about 30 to 45 minutes because that is when I look at it, people are listening to 100 to 120%, which means they're rewinding. So that is a perfect situation for having a sponsorship. Um, for when, when I hit over 5,000 downloads, they said, now you can start looking at these sites and stuff like that about sponsorships. And um, I just put my name on this, the one site, it automatically populates your numbers and poof, people start calling. So um, that's, it was really not something I expected there. Um, I didn't expect to have a lot of people wanting to advertise with a little old me who works out of her basement. But again, I find that when you get the listeners, the advertisers show up. It's not necessarily that you have to do work. Um, and then when it comes to promotions and the certain things like that's, I never actually, the radio shows that I, that I go on or the other shows, they reach out when you hit a certain point, they start reaching out to you, or if your topic is interesting to them. So I'm, I, that's, again, it happened all organically. I've been very lucky in that way. Um, or a lot of people have to work a lot harder with it. Um, but as we're growing, I think I'm going to have to find a way to make that piece a little easier because again, looking at time and there's only me. So I have to figure out how to make this a little more efficient. Right. Right. So, well, at some point you're going to get enough listeners to get enough ads to make sure that, you know, you can actually get people to help you, which makes you bigger. And I'm also right. And I'm also, um, I'm not, I don't like to be ad heavy. That's just a Brenda personal sure. decision. I, I don't like listening to shows. And this is just my own thing that you have a lot of ads, you know, in the beginning, in the middle, ad, 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 you know, we got to play, pay the light bill. But also at the same time, I want to have the experience for the listener to be a good one. The, the ads, I like them to be personalized. And that's where I, I'm a little different than a lot of people. I'll, I'll, what I tell them is the truth. For example, I did one ad about 
um, like actually running shoes, sneakers. And I was very honest. I wear sneakers with uh, formal wear. I do. <laughs> you know, especially if the dress is long, you don't see it. But, uh, and, and so I give it, I find that as give you also an opportunity for your listeners to get to know you better. And then when they get to know you better and they trust you, they'll trust the sponsor a, a bit more. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I get it. There was, there was, there was one thing I really, I couldn't wrap my head, head around when uh, I had one of the uh, ads. There was uh, an ad for uh, another podcast. And at the end, they said, you know, we're the number one uh, on iTunes. And I thought, why would the number one podcast on iTunes wouldn't be the other way around? You would want to advertise there rather than, you know, if you have a few thousand, like in the beginning, this was, I think, pretty early. Uh, if you have 10,000 downloads or 20,000 or 100,000, why would they want to do that? How, how is that? Maybe you don't know, but how is that? <laughs> if people want to go and and um, share promos, I'm totally open to it. I, I think that us in the podcasting community, at least the people I interact with, are so helpful to each other and supportive to each other. And that's something I didn't expect, considering the business of podcasting is so it's saturated to a certain extent. Yeah. Like you're, you're talking, you have over 8 million podcasts in the world. That's a lot. And that's what I really enjoy. Um, very early on, my girlfriend who had the podcast linked me to a group and they're extremely supportive to each other. We share each other ads um, to a certain extent, to self-promote within the group. And that in the beginning was really a massive help to me. But again, uh, I can't tell you sometimes why people want to advertise with me. I still think of it this way of like, I'm sitting here in my sweatpants in my basement <laughs> beside the furnace. Uh, <laughs> you know, why would you, I always kind of almost compare myself in a way to the Joe Rogans of the world. Um, Joe Rogan has like one of the biggest podcasts in the world. Why would they want to go listen to me? You know, and every time I have a benchmark that happens, like a certain amount of downloads or, you know, you go to a show, I always just, I look at my spouse and I'm like, I just don't even, I just can't even wrap my brain over the fact that people want to listen to me. And I, on my Mac, on in the basement, which around construction, I, I just don't understand it, but I, I don't, I don't know, but I'm, I'm happy for it. I'm appreciative for it. Like, I love the fact that people love spooky little stories like I do. Oh, wait, about construction. How do you deal with construction? I suddenly have oh. construction outside my house all day. Well, <laughs> my, okay. Because of COVID, my, my spouse decided to, our basement wasn't finished. That's where my, my podcasting, I was doing my podcasting. So he decided to, in November of last year, rip out the basement and there wasn't much here and start building. I'm telling you, it's not been fun. And because of COVID, a lot of delays happen. Like when we get like, for example, we can't order any carpet because we're in lockdown. Yeah. And so now we have to wait. So this basement has been in various stages of deconstruction since November of last year. <laughs> so I, I, it's not been fun. There's some days I'm just like, I'm not going to move my desk for the 40th time because you want more room to build stuff. No, <laughs> but it's something you have to do, right? Right. It's something I'm going to have to live with. And soon, soon it'll be done. I've all, we're only, he said it was going to be done in February. I think it might be close to being done in October. Okay. <laughs> well, I, for me, I've got, I've got, I've got this and I've got another podcast, which I record during the day, because this is according to your time, but I've got construction during the day outside. It's summer vacation. I've got three daughters. 
So I've got a, a house full of, you know, sound and screens and uh, I just find it. Well, impossible. you know what I've done? I've made a deal. I make a deal with my husband. Um, I tell him when I'm going to be either recording or on a call or something like that. And I'll text him because I have a Mac and so does he. So I'm downstairs and I have a texting app. I'll text him starting to recording. Please put on some pants. Don't run around naked. Don't make noises. Don't flush the toilet. <laughs> because trust me, he's done all of it. He's yeah. done all of it. <laughs> but let me tell you, that is how we get past it. And he's just learned in the last two years of, I'll, I'll even ask him, when's his meetings? When's mine? And we'll kind of schedule around it. But I can't wait for the door. It's supposed to go right here. Mm -hmm. It's going to be up. So I don't hear that furnace sound because I can't edit it out. I've tried can't i even switched my mic to be a dynamic mic to cut down a lot of the noise which was a great help but uh i can't wait till that door comes on <laughs> cool and how do you see how do you see this going on like how do you see the future for this for that's hard call um I honestly don't know. Um, I've been pushed by a lot of people to expand and I've expanded a bit But as you would know, expansion when you're doing it all yourself is kind of difficult. Um, I have a great guy who is in the UK and he's doing um, a lot of my video editing and stuff because we actually just released a few about a month or so ago, a new episode or new show on our YouTube channel, which is horrifying history, but we call it history Coles notes. So basically in Canada, what Coles notes, history, we call that history Coles notes. Okay. So what a Coles note is in Canada is the same thing as a cliff note in the US. And it's basically a book that summarizes, like say, for example, Shakespeare Macbeth, and it's a study guide. So that's what we decided to do. We asked a lot of questions, not just spooky questions, but history questions. And I thought, why don't we just answer them in an episode? So um, the episodes of History Coles Notes are only about between five and eight minutes long, and we answer the most common history questions. For example, um, what was prohibition or who made the pyramids? Very simple little snippets of time to get a quick answer for a bigger question. So the problem is, with though, as I mentioned, with expansion, it's just me. So I have to figure out how I want to go and where I want to go. And I'm not really sure, to be honest with you, we put out the skin show, we're about to put out another, uh, a little couple episodes, limited edition of Q and a um, series on our YouTube channel. I have a great idea for our second podcast. I just know I have to do it with other people um, to be able to expand properly. And I think I know who I would like, I just have to make sure she's available. <laughs> And that's what we're waiting for. She's got a lot of stuff going on right now. She's getting married in a couple of weeks. So that's what we wanted to do. And basically to give you the spoiler, um, what our idea is, is we want to do um, the true crime stories that were supernaturally linked. For example, there is one of the stories I want to do is, and this is a true case. It's out of, out of um, London. A guy got charged and convicted for murder because in town somebody was dressing up as a ghost so he got drunk with his friend and decided to go ghost hunting with a, a gun and shot and killed a guy who wasn't dressed as a ghost but he tried to get off of it by saying but i thought i killed a ghost it, it didn't work <laughs> that there's an episode i don't know if you know but it's a british show called qi 
Okay. It's basically, it tells a lot of, it's got a lot of seasons, let's say, call it a series. And uh, it's a, basically, it's a comedy show. They ask questions about facts that usually are missed. You know, you think it's one thing, it's the other thing, but you ask comedians and then it's funny. And uh, there was one thing that they said, there was like a road, one of the comedians said, uh, there was a road in England, uh, a highway where people keep saying that, you know, there's a hand that suddenly comes on top of, uh, of the wheel and just makes you, you know, turn, turn the thing and there are accidents there and there's, I, I don't remember what it was called, maybe the hairy hand or something. It, it's called it. the hairy hand. We oh. actually did, we, we actually okay. included that in one of our episodes um, uh, when we were talking about cryptids. And uh, I, I don't know. I just think it's hilarious that you're driving down a road and then all of a sudden this big hairy hand comes out of nowhere and just tries to make you hit the ditch. Or you're, on a, or you're on a motorcycle and this magical hairy hand just grabs your steering and you, you go into, you, you know, trying to, whose hand? And why would you just be a ghost hand? That's my but first thought. They automatically made fun of him, you know, basically it's, you know, they said probably drunk. And then they made fun of the people who said that, you know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, anyway, that is, it sounds to me like you are slowly buildings, a world, I won't say an empire, but a world where <laughs> you do more and more things that you like and more and more people will come mm-hmm. to help, which means you'll go mm-hmm. bigger and then hopefully have more income from that. So is that something you want, like, do you want that life? Do you want that kind of thing where you do your thing and you actually don't need to walk in other stuff to do it? Um, I actually have people saying that, um, you know, I knew you before you were famous and stuff like that, you know, those sort of joking words and, or, you know, oh, you're going to be the next Joe Rogan or no, I'm not. Um, but I, I don't really see it that way. Um, my, the way I consider thing is life is too short to do something you don't like, right? It's life is too short to be unhappy. And when I start started this, it was going to be because it's something I'm passionate about. And, and the day it becomes not uh, something that I'm not passionate about, I'm out. It's as simple as that. Um, but I really absolutely love that we're building a community of spooky people who absolutely love being curious. They're not the people that are listening to us are not just satisfied with just hearing a ghost story. They want to hear everything and they want to make up their minds. And I, that's what I love about it. And the day that doesn't become or that it's not special to me anymore or I'm getting bored, I guess I'm going to have to go and do something different. To me, it's not about being the next Joe Rogan or being rich. It's about passion. It's about enjoying what you do. I found through the interviews I'm holding that the one true key for people's continued, it's it's not even continued efforts in the thing they're doing, which makes them more successful, is that they don't have an expectation to be millionaires from it or to sell the rights to the thing and make it a movie or, you know, whatever, depending on what your thing is. If you have decent expectations, if you do the thing you like because you like it, you survive mm-hmm. a much longer time and you mm-hmm. enjoy it more. And other people fall on the wayside because, uh, you know, what they wanted to be was millionaires. 
Exactly. And that's something that I actually, um, when I've had new podcasters ask me questions, what advice I can give, I always say that same exact thing. If you're going to be a podcaster because you want to be Insta famous or social media famous, or you think you're going to be a millionaire, don't do it. It's a whole heck of a lot of work. And at times you're going to be tired. You're going to be exhausted. You're going to have the internet trolls come after you. It's not worth it. If you love the subject matter and if you love what you do, then do it and get, my parents always taught me do everything like a hundred percent, put your everything into it. And, and that's what I do here. And I hope it shows in my pro in, in the product I'm producing, but the reality of it is if you're doing it to be famous, don't even bother because how many podcasts are not uh, average podcast gets about up between 130 and 150 downloads per episode. Mm -hmm. And that's not a lot. So, but they're all out there. There's still 8 million of them. So again, passion is what is the difference with anything you do. Really? I'm talking about any job, any experience. Why do it? If you hate it, life's too short. Completely agree. And I think those are great final words. I'd like to finish with the story, like one of the bits of pieces in your uh, uh, podcast, if I can, about the one thing really amused me. There's a village. I don't remember in which country where they believe in a vampire. It's some they mm -hmm. said some vampire was now rising and then everyone yeah and walking with can you just talk about that for like a few seconds just tell people who haven't heard about it what it is well um actually background uh wise i actually yeah, am half french canadian and I am half um, East European block. So I, that's why I think I love bringing up vampire stories is because it is very ingrained in, in East European block countries. And in this scenario, I couldn't help but laugh when I read this story. Um, they basically, long story made short, there was a gentleman and he owned a mill. And for some reason, um, after he passed away, people just came up to the conclusion that Yanya Yovankovitch was a vampire. Um, people still seen him touring around the neighborhoods when he after he was dead. So um, what they did is they protected themselves using the rights that they, they, they they're used to and putting on the garlic reefs and all that stuff. And they thought they were safe until that old mill after how many years intercollapsed. And now they became positive that the vampire is now going to come after them again. And that's why they actually changed the, the uh, tourism of that area. So tours can come see where the vampire theoretically lives, but you can't come at night because he's going to get you. And I just thought that is so funny. But of that episode, I think the story that was even more ironic is my husband, he was in the Canadian military, he just recently released after 32 years. And he actually went to, yeah, he went to Africa, and he was in Mali, and he was deployed there for six months. Around the time that he was deployed there, apparently the UN um, actually pull, started pulling their people out of certain areas of Mali because there was vampire scares. They were saying that the local people were setting, sending out these vi vigilante groups with their pitchforks to go kill who they thought were vampires. So the UN had to pull their people out to protect them from these vampire hunters. And I'm like, I had to worry about my husband getting, you know, car bombs and something bad like that happened. Now I got to worry about vampire people coming to kill him? Jeepers. Good thing he's in a lockdown camp. <laughs> yeah, when I had that, that was so quick. I blocked, you know, it passed by my because I said can't be. The UN is clearing people because of vampires. Like that's yeah. crazy. 
crazy. Mm -hmm. But again, that belief is so intergrained in that area. Um, One thing incident that happened when he was there is people there believe that um, albino people, you know, with the, 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 Mm -hmm. without the pigmentation, um, albino people are magical. Their body parts are magical. So while he was there, um, a mother let her, her, her children, there were twins and they're albino. They were out in the yard playing and people came in and they were trying to grab the twins. The mother was able to save one. The other one uh, was taken and they found what remained of her body a couple days later because they were taking her body parts because she's magic mm-hmm. to sell on the black market. And so a lot of these belief systems are very alive today. You would think with the technology that we have today and the advancements that a lot of these belief systems are gone, but they're absolutely not. Well, belief systems are there all the time. You know, people believe in God. That's a belief system. Right. Well, we just say vampires is silly and God is not. Correct. Basically, it's what people believe. So we all, you know, most of the world believes in something. Uh, just one thing. Did you say your husband was there 32 years? Because you said years. Yes. Wow. Yep. Okay. Wow. 32 years. So maybe you meant months. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Trust me. That's why I moved so much. <laughs> um, he just got out recently. Actually, he got out on Remembrance Day, which is November 11th, after 32 years of serving. And um, it's very nice to have him home for a change. Maybe he can finish my basement. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Listen, thank you very much. Thank you so much for your time and the stories and everything you said. Thank you. No problem. And I'd love to talk again. Absolutely. Thank you so much to Brenda Gask. That was so much fun. You can find Brenda at the Horrifying History Podcast. You can find her on Facebook at S Horrifying History, on YouTube, Horrifying History, on Twitter, Horrifying Hist One. And on Instagram, she is Horrifying History. As I told you last time, I see the Geekdom Empowers podcast not as a series of interviews with different people, but as a podcast that tells the story of geeks around the world. It is a quilt, a mosaic. The entire thing is a story, is one big story together. It is our story. And so I treat this as a story with it to be continued. So I always say, next time. So next time, we'll talk to a person who did fashion and then wanted to create comic books and animation based on him and his brand. It is one of the most empowering conversations you've ever heard. So stick with us for that. That's in two days time. Geekdom Empowers releases three episodes a week on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And if you want to contact me about this episode, other episodes, if you want to suggest guests, suggest yourself as a guest, uh, Email me at guy.hasson, that's G-U-Y dot H-A-S-S-O-N, at geekdomimpowers.com. Check out the website, geekdomimpowers.com, on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, we are at geekdomimpowers. My name is Guy Hasson, and if you want to check out my other podcast, The Squashbuckler Diaries, which is an experiment in epic fantasy, feel free to check it out. It's called The Squashbuckler Diaries, and it is daily. I will see you next time, and for now, have an empowered day.